welcome to the Fantasy Rewind Podcast. I'm your co-host, Dylan Stoll, and as always, I'm joined by my friend, Michael Whifford. Hey, hey. So today, we are going to come at you with a little bit of a mixed bag of tricks. So I am fresh back from my trip to New Zealand, so we're going to talk about my time in Hobbiton. But before we get to all of that, we also have some fantasy news that came out this past week, or two weeks ago, that we thought was worth discussing, mainly the fate of the Willow franchise, as well as the fate of the Lord of the Rings movie universe that Warner Brothers may seem intent on creating. So we're going to get into all of that, but before we do, just going to give out the typical reminders that if you want to get in contact with the show, you can give us a holler on social media, which on Instagram is at Pod. We're also on Twitter, which is at Fantasy Rewind. And you can also send us an email, which is at Fantasy Earth, which is Fantasy Rewind Pod at gmail.com. All right, so Mike, let's dive right into the rewind. Fantasy Rewind. All right, Dylan. So I sent you an article just yesterday, and for those who can't see our computers or our dates or our faces, which is <laughs> anyone who's listening to this, that would be March 15th. That the Willow franchise was canceled for season two, at least on Disney+. Plus. I can't say I'm surprised by this. Um, I did I read the article either. you sent me, and mm-hmm. it seems to me like they were expecting a little bit more of a open arms nostalgia reception than what they had gotten for Willow. Yeah, I mean, you know, when you bring in these older franchises... We've seen it with a lot of properties recently, right? Mm-hmm. Well, we've seen some hits and we've seen some misses, but a lot of times they get pretty big buzz because of the nostalgia. The thing for me is I I don't know why they expected such a big turnout from Will for Willow because Willow wasn't like a huge huge property back when it debuted. Right. We talked about how much it made. It does have a cult following, and I'm sure there's a lot of people that really got into it. Maybe they were trying to hope for that hype from the Wheel of Time and Lord of the Rings and Game of Thrones and those audiences to come over. In which case, I don't think they're the show platform, Disney Plus, was necessarily the best place to try to get that through. Also, it was like we've talked about, it kind of had a miss. Yep. So. No, to me, it seemed like if they wanted to try and capture some of that fantasy TV magic that Rings of Power and Wheel of Time was able to gather some of that hype, then they should have made the show a little bit differently. I felt like the way that they made the show while still entertaining and everything really kind of alienated older fans and really tried to scoop up a new and younger audience and I don't think that that was a successful attempt for them, which is why they're canceling the show. And also, I think that's where they went wrong by doing it that way, rather than trying to really go after that cult following that had uh, been gathered through the first Willow film. They just kind of took the name of it and kind of tried to use that to capture new, uh, new audiences for it. And it didn't work. Yeah. Agreed. And they, they kind of, they tried doing the thing that other movies have done. Like I think about the, when they rebooted star Wars, right? That was really almost like a faithful readaption of the first star Wars movie mm. with new characters and such. And, 
it seems like they almost tried to do that where they tried to take like the original Willow adventure and sort of manipulate it and twist it a bit, but they did lose some of that original Willow, like something about it. All right. And I'm not an expert on Willow, so I can't really speak to it too much, but there was something missing from the show in that sense. Agreed. But, you know, it's kind of sad. I mean, we both like, we, we both liked the show. Uh, we did not regret our watch watch through right, of right. that, but it is kind of, you know, it, it always stinks because I know those actors and probably Warwick Davis and quite a few others really put a lot of effort into their roles yep. and kind of not, you know, not to see that, not to get a, to see that story really go anywhere. I guess what's his face will have to stay in limbo forever. Yeah, <laughs> Mad Mardigan. He's lost <laughs> to the, lost to the ether. Well, or, oh, also, and, uh, yeah, yeah. Graydon. Yeah. Graydon, yeah. But anyway, uh, let's hop over to um, some Lord of the Rings news, which this does not have anything to do with Rings of Power. I had been seeing this a little bit over the timeline. I hadn't really dug into it until we got on and you were like, oh, yeah, I want to talk about this. And I was like, oh, yeah, I kind of been skipping this because I wanted to talk with you about it and you'd been in New Zealand. So I pushed it off. But just read this article through Variety, the title, New Lord of the Rings Movies movies mm-hmm. set at warner brothers Plural. yes and i thought you brought up an interesting word when you started the introduction that i didn't think about was setting up a middle earth universe yeah so we've seen this with a couple of different franchises a couple of different attempts obviously the most successful one being the marvel universe right, right the mcu yes uh the dc universe which has already been rebooted in typical dc fashion <laughs> <laughs> um and the monster universe which was started through uh i want to say maybe was that through fox and it, it was, was failed universal and it failed universal yes and it failed which is unfortunate but i mean because that would have been kind of neat to the see dark that universe hope. yes the dark universe as it were uh but warner brothers wants to unveil this whole lord of the rings universe i think it's Interesting, but a bit scary is my sort of initial take on this. In the article, they talked about how Peter Jack- they have no filmmakers linked to these projects that they want to do. And they've gotten the rights back for the movies with the source material of the Lord of the Rings books, the Hobbit books, Hobbit book, Hobbit book and, yeah. Uh, the- <laughs> yeah, and the appendices. No filmmakers have been attached to the project yet, but they have kept Peter Jackson and his main crew in the loop so honestly this is as i as i just said a little scary for me because the lord of the rings movies and the hobbit movies i i i like the hobbit movies too are really just like uh, awesome pieces right and i'm just worried that if we go messing around (laughs) messing around we might end up leaving a sour taste in some people's mouth with the universe in general, if they try milking this. And I think that's really where they're trying to go. I wish they had done this with a different franchise, even like the Harry Potter universe. There is so much area for you to go in that mm-hmm. universe. And I mean, yes, they've tried that, you know, with the uh, the Beast saga, and that unfortunately didn't work out due to a couple of different things. One, they let J.K. Rowling have full control, just like Star Wars um, let... George Lucas. George Lucas yeah. have full control on the second set, and we know how that ended up. Like, we need people in the room to like keep they they are very creative people to keep that creative creativity down. 
And I'm sure Warner Brothers doesn't want to go right back to Harry Potter right now. I don't know. Because of the failed movies, probably. But what are your thoughts on this whole thing, Dylan? Because I think I, I have more to say, but I want to let you get your voice in. Yeah, so I have some mixed feelings about this. Because, like you just said, the the Peter Jackson trilogy for Lord of the Rings, it's kind of like a sacred text, almost. And yeah. it's how I kind Histor- of feel about it. where Historical. Yeah, where it's it was done so well and holds such a good place in my like my memories, my heart, mm-hmm. everything about that. And even though it was not 100% faithful to the Lord of the Rings books, the movies, to me, I love them almost as much as the source material itself. Yeah. They were a love letter to the books. Yeah. You can tell that they were made with love, with purpose, to try and do everything Peter Jackson could do to bring Middle-earth to the screen. And for that, I'll always be grateful. I loved it. It was fantastic. And I still enjoy the Hobbit movies. I do not like them nearly as much. Um, They tried to extend it too much. And by that, I mean, you know, dragging out the story of the retaking of Erebor, of the Hobbits, throwing in additional things that weren't necessarily in The Hobbit that might have been taken from the appendices or created brand new for the movie, such as the romance between the dwarf and the elf. Not a fan of that part. But I would agree on the on the romance piece, but I would probably disagree. I liked the additional content of what Gandalf was doing. Oh, I loved that part. I was more so speaking. Yes. I wasn't a okay. fan of the romance part between... Yeah. Um, we don't need it. It wasn't part of the Feely book. Feely and yeah. whatever her name is. Mm-hmm. The elf character that was made for the movie. Correct, yeah. yes. Which is the first female elf that we... Oh, like, aside from Arwen. Warrior. Warrior. First, yeah, that first seen. warrior female elf. Um, but here's here's my big takeaway on the, the announcement that Warner Brothers wants to give Lord of the Rings, and this is their term, the Star Warsification of the universe. Mm-hmm. And that's what I'm saying that scares me because to me, Star Wars was something where I enjoyed the original trilogy. I enjoyed the prequel trilogy enough. Yeah, it was okay. And it was like a one and done. Yeah. Yeah. uh, It was okay. I liked (laughs) Clone Wars growing up. Sue me. (laughs) Yeah, that's I mean, Uh, it's fair. You know, it had a lot of action. The sequel trilogy that came out for Star Wars, I liked Force Awakens. Yep. The following two just left such a they bad just, taste in my mouth, yeah, especially great. the second one. Um, that one really killed it for me, and then Rise of Skywalker was a mess as well. Yeah. But both of those two kind of... They needed to keep they the soured same, it. same person in charge for those movies, really, yeah, is what they needed they to really do. They really did. But on top of that, hold on a second, man. On top of that, you have all the shows that have come out. And you have The Mandalorian, which has been great. Mm -hmm. But great, yeah. You have The Book of Boba Fett, less great, unfortunately. You have Andor, which is supposed to be really good. Which is supposed to be really good. I haven't watched it yet. I haven't watched it. That's the thing, though. Yeah. Then you also have Solo, the movie, which I liked. It was okay, though. It was okay. It wasn't the best. You had Rogue One, which was fantastic. Really good, yeah. But you have all these, 
like ancillary properties coming out, and I'm not even touching mm-hmm. the animated stuff that they've come out with, which is supposed to be really which fantastic. Is fantastic, stuff. like the Clone yeah. Wars saga, I've like show. It. It's fantastic. You'll love it. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. I should definitely, especially because you love animated shows. I do love animated shows. But yeah. you take all of that and you think about what that means in terms of what Star Warsification could be for Lord of the Rings, and it's scary. What I really don't want to see is I really don't want to see them remake the core trilogy yet. No, don't. And touch I don't it. really want to see it ever. But ever. I don't think they should do it yet, especially while no, all the actors are still alive. <laughs> and so mm-hmm. they shouldn't touch that for a while, a long while. I don't want to see them remake The Hobbit. They've done that more so recently already. Yeah. You really can't get into the Silmarillion. You can't get into things like Baron and Luthien because they can only pull from the appendices, which does have information on some of the stuff that's in the Silmarillion, but it's nowhere near as flushed out. It's nowhere near as like less specific for you to have a Tolkien-guided roadmap to how to do these things. If they tried to do that, you would see them end up with something similar-ish to Rings of Power which would not only be highly confusing for the casual audiences, it'd be confusing for fans, and I think it would be a mistake because of how I feel Rings of Power turned out. Now you take all of that, and you basically have to try to restrict Warner Brothers to making additional Lord of the Rings movies within the Third Age, which is going to be difficult to do. I did watch a couple videos about this um, from Daniel Green as well as from Men of the West on uh, on YouTube, who's a really good Lord of the Rings, like, I don't want to call him a scholar, but like a Lord of the Rings aficionado who mm-hmm. puts out fantastic content. And one of the things that he, uh, Man of the West or Men of the West brought up was his top wish for Warner Brothers to do would be a War in the North movie, which would be amazing. Mm. And so if you don't know what I mean by that, what went on during Lord of the Rings, the entire conflict is called War of the the War of the Ring. There was the battle and Gondor and the Black Gate and all of that going on, Pelennor Fields, all that happening. But at the same time, a war was being fought in the north, with Galadriel and the forces of Lothlorien, with Thrandir, uh, Legolas's father, and the dwarves that were up in the Iron Hills and Erebor and the Dúnedain, all that group up top was fighting another offensive against the Shadow at the same time that was huh. going on. And so that would be really cool to cover and to have a movie made. Because they could bring back Kate Blanchett as Galadriel. They could bring back the guy that played, um, oh my gosh, I'm blanking on his name. Uh, the guy that played oh, Legolas' yeah. father. They could bring oh, yeah. in Radagast. They could bring in some mm. of these familiar faces. They could bring in Celeborn. Or they could bring mm. in Elrond. All these faces that we've known and are familiar with from the Hobbit trilogy as well as Lord of the Rings trilogy, while still maintaining faithfulness and a story that we have some information about through the appendices mostly about an event that has not been talked about or discussed within the main trilogy and to me i fully agree with that because that to me seems the most juicy and most appealing way 
to continue a Lord of the Rings story. Albeit, I think they could only do one, maybe two movies on that. But I think that'd be a very appealing movie. I don't necessarily Mm. know how I feel about any other property that would go in and try and do like an Aragorn prequel. Because that could be, eh, you know, like not too great. Or like a Legolas and Gimli sequel. I don't really want to watch Legolas and Gimli troops around having like a buddy cop uh, movie. Because, again, not necessarily my bag of tea. Um, Is there anything you can think of, Mike, that you think could make a halfway decent movie for, uh, for Warner Brothers if they were forced to stick to the third age? If they were forced to stick to the third age, yeah. No, I think War of the, you know, War of the North or War in the North would be really good. And when you brought that up, I immediately thought of the video games. Yes. some of those video yeah. games to really focus on that piece. So I, I think that would be a great place to go with it. I'm, I don't know where else they would go. I mean, like you, you said, if they went back. It would be start starting to get really convoluted and messy for fans because you have this Amazon TV show that's, you know, in this time period, and then you're now going to have a movie franchise going in that time completely period. Disconnected. And, yeah, completely and completely disconnected. Yes, you're right because I'm pretty sure if they did the movies, they would be like, "We're going to be more faithful to the books," right? right. <laughs> and then you're yeah, people are just going to be like, "What is going on?" So I think they do need to go in a different direction and following up the almost doing a parallel series to the Lord of the Rings, you could bring back some of those actors for some like flashbacks mm-hmm. or even like it like I could almost imagine the movie starting off right when the fellowship leaves Lothlorien and Galadriel turns and is like we we have to prepare or something like right. that. Right. Yeah. You know. And so that would be a great way to really connect it but also then disconnect it. Um, from the trilogy. You know, this happened, now this is going in this way. I just, I can't get over the, like, over the concern, though, that when they stay Star Warfication, like you'd brought up, mm-hmm. we are going to end up with these different movies in very different ways. Maybe it's a, like, a whole movie on Galadriel, or like you said, a whole movie on Aragorn. I'm not I'm not well versed enough in the appendices to know what they can cover. Right. I wish someone would just get the rights for the Silmarillion <laughs> so we could do some of these really interesting stories See, from before. I don't think that the Tolkien estate is going to let that go. And Why? Because it was never fully fully flushed out by Tolkien himself. It was all information that's been gathered by his son and kind of edited that way and there were a couple other writers that kind of came in and filled in some of the blank spaces, but I think they're wanting to keep it like just like a book that you can get like an optional read because Mm -hmm. it is a very convoluted, very complex uh, read when you go into it and gets into way more mythological things than the main trilogy does. That's fair. But like when you're handing them the appendices and it has a lot of, you know, pieces of this, and then they can take it and they can run in all these different directions with it. You might as well just hand over the keys to the kingdom at that yeah. point because yeah. Agreed. you're pretty much allowing them to do it. You're just not giving them the rights to do certain stories, which would be really interesting to tell. So I don't know what Warner Brothers' plans are, 
Hopefully they do a good job with this and they give most of the control to Peter Jackson and his crew and don't try to step in, but I am afraid that they will probably try to step in more than they should because we know That's what when studios they do. see dollar signs, they do. And usually it's the fans and the project that suffers. Yeah, so a few other things that I think would be okay for them to cover, which I'd kind of like, I think, would be a peek at what's going on farther east, like with the Easterlings coming in, like how did they end up getting under Sauron's rule? You know, all of that stuff there. That could be interesting to explore, but it would be all original content for the most part. Yeah, I think that's the struggle is if they they needed to connect somehow to the main story, because I think that's the issue that the Rings of Power has had is that because it's, They've really tried to connect it, yeah. but like it's very disconnected. And so they spent the entire first season building out the world. And now we're like, okay, now the show's getting started after <laughs> one season. And they can't do that with a movie. They can't be no, like, no. one movie in, they need to connect it and then move with it. And I don't think, oh, the war in the, like, no, I agree with you. I would be totally into it. But the war in the East or the Easterlings, Lord of the Rings Easterlings movie, like, I don't know if a lot of people are going to care. Yeah. You know, because, oh, where's the ring? Where's Aragorn? Right. What's, you know, if they did a movie where it was like, if they, I don't know if they could cover it, where it was like the Rings of Man movie. Yeah, right. The making of the ring wraiths, basically. Yeah. That'd be cool. Like, that kind of thing would be, bam, okay, cool. This is Ring Race, Lord of the Rings connection, right, like, to the movies I saw before. I want to know how they became that way. Stuff like that. You could really do some of those too, as well. If they and really want to get into the weeds, they could do Scouring of the Shire. Ooh, that would be interesting. I don't know if that'd be a full movie. Like some of these, almost don't. They don't need to be. A full you know, movie. don't sound like movies. Yeah. They sound like TV shows, and I don't know if they have TV rights. <laughs> I think Amazon. I, think has, Amazon I don't know. Yeah. I, I'm not sure how all that works, but. I think it's interesting to, as much as we're like very hesitant and very much like, oh, don't know about this. Like there's a lot to dive in here that would be really exciting. Yeah. And I mean, not going to lie, like we've we've been a little critical of Rings of Power and I think rightfully so. But (laughs) when that was first announced, I know that we were both super excited about it. Like it was something that I was definitely looking forward to. Because, like, while I am, you know, very hesitant and very cautious about them going too crazy with the Middle-Earth movie rights here, I'd watch anything they came out with. <laughs> like, just being honest. They would have to burn me uh, pretty bad. Yeah, yeah. it'd be, uh, it's one of those things where I wouldn't want to be as excited as I know I would be. But I would, uh, I definitely, I definitely would want them to stay faithful. Like, I had a conversation with my wife, Amy, where I was like, if somehow, some way, they remade the Lord of the Rings trilogy, first of all, I would not be very happy about it. But the only way that they could go about doing it and not have the fans burn them at the stake would be if they did as direct of a page to screen as you could. Tom Bombadil Mm. and Goldberry and all. Like, no skipping anything. Like, being as faithful as possible. Yeah. Like, four to six movies. Or six movies, yeah. And extended editions, like, nine hours long each. (laughs) But, yeah, yeah, but, like, that would basically be the only way, like, I would probably, and other fans, would probably accept a new Lord of the Rings trilogy. But I don't see that happening. I don't want that. 
but yeah, it's this is nervousing nervous news. It's uh, exciting news. It's fantasy news. Yeah, it is fantasy news. And speaking of that, and speaking of the scouring of the Shire, Dylan, you <laughs> took a trip to New Zealand, and you got to go to Hobbiton. I Would did. Would you share your experience and what your thoughts were on it, and maybe some of your favorite parts, or yeah, whatever you want to talk about with it? Yeah, so for me, going to Hobbiton is something that has been on my bucket list ever since I found out it existed. Like, ever since they built the permanent set for Hobbiton, I've been wanting to go. While I was there uh, in New Zealand, going to Hobbiton was something I was very excited about. On top of seeing Hobbiton, I went around and I saw a couple other sets, or not sets, but like a couple other like scenes and locations from the movie. Like, I went and I saw Mount Doom. Um, I was mm. there on, on location. <laughs> and mm. uh, I went and I saw <laughs> Gollum's Pool. Where he oh. was in, uh, where he, he was surrounded. I took pictures of all of these things, of course. Um, but uh, where he caught his fish and then was surrounded by the Gondorian Rangers and everything. And mm-hmm. I saw um, a couple, a couple other places as well. Like I saw the River Anduin. Um, I saw lots of lots of cool stuff. But speaking specifically about Hobbiton, uh, this was a place that I was super excited to go to. Uh, my first full day in New Zealand, I went to Weta Workshop, which oh, nice. is one of the, like, I don't want to call them costume designers, but basically, like, studios that provide special effects and stuff like that for Peter Jackson's Lord of the Rings trilogy and the Hobbit trilogy and everything. And so that was really cool. And I got hyped up to go to Hobbiton by going there because they had all these really cool little like hobbit hole miniature things like you could get and so of course i got one um sitting on my desk at work now but i got hyped up right away to go to hobbiton when i get there uh it was really close to where i was staying because i was i was purposeful in that and there was a woman that was going around and telling everybody you know hey it's my birthday today but i don't know if you know this Hobbits don't get gifts on their birthday. They get that, or they give them. So she was going around like giving everybody like these little like Hobbit door pins, which was really cool and everything. And so she was like, nice. "Yeah," she was telling uh, Amy and I that she had been there that morning and had breakfast there because she, she did like the breakfast feast, and then she came back and is going to do the dinner feast as well, which is what I signed up to do. Which awesome. includes a tour of the grounds of Hobbiton, as well as a feast at the end where you get dinner and dessert in the Green Dragon Inn. So that was really that was really cool. Um, she go, kept on talking about like how the first time she came to Hobbiton and rode the bus from the parking lot area to like where they drop you off for the tour, and they played mm-hmm. that Lord of the Rings Hobbit Shire music. She started crying. And so I turned to Amy after she leaves. I'm just like, oh, my gosh. Like, if I ever cry when I go to Hobbiton, like, punch me or something like that. Did you cry? Of co- I cried. Of course I cried a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> I got a little teary. I got a little misty eyed. Yeah. And uh, I was like, oh, man, this is too cool. But so we get there and you kind of have a guide. And so you're getting taken around the tour and everything. And... Really quick, I would just recommend going at the evening feast for this reason, if no other reasons. 
there apparently is a tour at Hobbiton every 10 minutes during the day. So there's people everywhere. Mm. Doing the banquet tour at the in the evening time, you're the only group there. So you have oh, awesome. nobody else blocking your views, nothing. You can see the whole Shire, no people needing to be erased from your photos or anything. It's all good. <laughs> um, so you're going around, and you, one of the things you notice right away when looking at the different Hobbit doors is that there are two different sizes. There's uh, apparently Hobbit doors that are smaller that they have smaller so that when like Ian McClellan and other people are standing next to them, like they look bigger. Like, so Gandalf Mm. is next to these. Whenever you see him in the movies, apparently he's standing with a smaller Hobbit door behind him to try to make him look larger than life. Yeah. As well as larger Hobbit ones, which is where like the, the Hobbit Hobbits actually like stand in front of so that when you Mm. compare the two shots, the hobbits look smaller compared to Gandalf looking mm-hmm. bigger next to the hobbit hole openings. Speaking of the hobbit hole openings, right now they are just painted doors, which is a little disappointing. However, yeah. they're working on making several of the hobbit holes actually functional. And so they're going to be doing that construction right now. And making it so that you can walk inside and actually go through a Hobbit house in the future when you go to Hobbiton. Very cool. Um, Some of the other cool things that happened while I was at Hobbiton itself is, like, they kind of gave you, like, little tidbits about watch out for this next time you watch the movie. Because here's how they do certain things. And, like, so one of the things that was interesting is the gentleman who plays older Bilbo. Never set foot in the Shire. Never set foot at Hobbiton. Apparently, it just didn't work out with his filming schedule. So he filmed all of his, like, Shire scenes in a green screen room in Wellington, New Zealand, at Weta Workshop's stage. And including the, like, birthday speech that he gave, where, like, he gave that speech, apparently, to an empty room, and then they played it to a crowd of people that were playing hobbits and had them, like, react to the speech and everything. And then they spliced <laughs> the two shots together. Oh, wow. Um, they also utilized body doubles for a lot of the, the hobbits, which I'm sure a lot of people already guessed yeah. at. Where they used shorter actors to basically jump on Gandalf and, like, whenever they needed, like, a non-facial shot, they basically used... Uh, smaller actors that would do that. Um, Some of the other cool things that were going on is they talked about like how filming that scene where Frodo is sitting next to Gandalf and they're having that conversation that Frodo himself was actually probably like five feet away from Gandalf when they were actually talking because of the way they were angling it all and just trying to keep him away to make him look smaller make Elijah Wood look smaller next to Ian McClellan. It's really but, crazy what they did with these practical effects, yeah. right? When you come back and think about it, like I you, nowadays they probably they just put it in a green screen or use CGI, but yeah, they used a lot it's of so much more natural with those practical it effects. It looks good in my opinion, mm-hmm. at least. And, and it didn't age bad. It did not age bad poorly at all. No. 
But rather than go on and on about Hobbiton, I'll just tell you, like, it was absolutely amazing. I had a fantastic time there. It was the highlight for me of my two-week trip in New Zealand. And that's comparing it to things like the Milford Sound, as well as some awesome hiking spaces. I liked Hobbiton better than all of it. My wife, Amy, who, (laughs) while liking Lord of the Rings, isn't a giant Lord of the Rings fan. She's like, uh, she comes away and is like, I liked Hobbiton way more than I thought I was going to. So she had a great time there as well. The feast at the Green Dragon Inn was really cool because they have special beers that were brewed just for them that I got to have while I was there. Um, as well as the food was actually quite good, which was very tasty. Um, also got to go around the party tree, walk around Hobbiton at night by lantern light, all kinds of cool stuff. And just like, I'm not even doing it justice talking about it right now, but it was absolutely (laughs) amazing. Like if you have a chance to go to Hobbiton, I highly, highly recommend it. It was absolutely fantastic. And once the Hobbit holes are actually functional, I would totally be down to go again. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. Nice. Very cool. Well, thank you for sharing, Dylan. Yeah. Yeah. Before we get out of here, I think we have a little uh, shadow and bone news that we're going to release as well yeah so we are going to be covering shadow and bone season two uh my wife is looking forward to watching it with me as i'm sure amy is, is yeah as is amy yep uh so we will be covering that next uh they just released it today when we're recording and on the 16th and uh we there's eight episodes in the series season in the season yeah sorry the season. in this season and we will uh, do episode by episode as we usually do and release those. Uh, yeah, that's our next venture here. So I'm really excited to dive in. I have stayed away from any trailers, any spoilers for it, because I want to go into it just completely blind. I have not read the book, so I know nothing. I'm just coming off of reading the first book and watching the first season while back, which we should at some point probably go back and cover the first <laughs> season. But we can do that at a later date. Yes. Uh, so I'm coming into this pretty much blind. I've stayed away from any spoilers. I did watch the trailer, which looks absolutely fantastic. Um, I brought mm. the <laughs> the second book with me to read while I was in New Zealand. Didn't I didn't read it. read it. Amy started to, though. <laughs> so oh, nice. she'll be able to kind of give me a little, hey, this is similar-ish. This is different while we're watching it. And that'll be awesome. But yeah, I liked the first season, liked the first book enough. Um, I liked the se- the series actually better than the book series, the TV series, um, for season one, at least. And I'm looking forward to seeing how season two shapes out, because it looks like it's going to be great. Yeah, I am also very much looking forward to it as well. So, yeah. All right, well, that's going to do it for us in this episode here. So... This is going to be Two Nerds signing off. See ya. See ya.